0: Hey guys, I just want to talk to you, um, before I get started on the message today, I um, just want to talk to you, I feel like I need to uh, raise something with you and just spend some time as a family to talk about what is going on in our world right now, and uh, um, specifically the coronavirus and the fear and the, um, all that goes along with that. Um, What I don't wanna do is come into this room as believers and ignore what's going on in the world, but I also don't wanna come into this room as believers and have the same view as the world, right? We have a different view. We have a different perspective. I was looking in the scriptures. Where do they talk about coronavirus in the (laughs) scriptures? I actually found a place. Listen to this. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have an opportunity to not simply avoid what the world, what's going on in the world, or to feel that we have no other alternative but to view what's going on in the world the same way the, view, the world does. Not only do we have a diff- an opportunity for a different view, but we have an opportunity, believe me, folks, to make a difference. I mean, come on, do we believe in prayer? Everyone here, we talk Sunday after Sunday, we pray for, for people, we, we recognize the healings, we talk about how it affects our lives. What's one of the things, that reason people don't like to pray? People in the world don't think they can pray to God for, for something In their life, it's because they say, well, God's got more important things to do than just worry about this in my life. Well, if that's true and that's the reason you don't pray, that's all the more reason to pray. If this is a worldwide situation, do you think this might be on God's heart? Do you think he kind of knows? But do you think he's looking for people to agree on earth that he would come and make a difference? So we don't live in fear. We don't want to respond in fear. We don't want to panic. But we want to come with an opposite spirit that says, God, we need your help, but we want peace that doesn't burden us with the weight of panic, but lifts us up from underneath and undergirds us with shalom. So I'm saying all that to say I don't. want to I'm, I'm pray about this, but I don't want to just have you sit there and receive a prayer. We want to pray as, what, 250, 300 people in this room together saying, God, we're putting this in your hands. Okay? So would you join me? Father, we come before you. And Lord, we are part of this world, and we don't want to condemn the world for their fears or their panic. But we say, God, we are so grateful that you have shown us that when we have things that are of concern, we can bring them to you because what is on concern of our heart is already on concern in your heart. And Lord God, you care about every last person, the people we don't know, you know the truth beyond the stories that we're hearing. You'd understand what the seriousness is of this situation or what it isn't. Whatever the situation is, God, we know that we can bring our hearts before you. First of all, Lord, it's, you say, come to you with rejoicing in all situations. Lord, we don't rejoice over the situation. But in the midst of it, we can rejoice that you are God and that you have peace and you have hope and you have life and you have healing. And so we rejoice in who you are. And then, Lord, you invite us not to be anxious about anything, but to bring our prayers and petitions before you with thanksgiving. So, Lord, we are thankful that we can look to you. We are thankful that you answer prayers. We are thankful that you've answered prayers right in this room, right in our lives, throughout our lives. And so we bring this concern before you right now, Lord. I ask, God, that you would bring solutions, and you would bring remedies, and you would bring medical solutions to this virus. I also pray, God, that you would be the one who contains it. We bring our best efforts. But, Lord, we ask you to be the one who contains it. We ask you to be the one who meets every last person who is contracted by this, Lord, or is exposed to it. We ask, God, that in the midst of all that, you would reveal yourself as hope and life, as the God who heals. And, Lord, I ask for... All of us who recognize who you are, I pray for a spirit of peace to rest upon us. Lord, I pray that we'd have so much peace that when we go into our lives, into the world outside of this room, that we won't need to challenge the world, but we would just respond in a different way. Not just out of trying to respond differently, but because inside of us, you have brought us peace. So Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. You say peace will pass understanding, peace that doesn't make sense in the circumstance. Lord, we are putting this in your hands, and we love you, and we love the fact that you love us, and you love everyone in this whole world. Thank you, Lord God, that we have hope in you, and thank you, Lord God, that you are already moving upon these requests. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. I... uh So I want to encourage us. You know, it's so easy to be inundated with everything from the world. And um, as we've said many times here, there's reality and then there's another greater reality. There's truth and there's a higher truth. We don't deny the truth, but we live in the greater truth, in the greater reality, in the higher truth. And uh, so I want to encourage us to continue. Um, I don't want to take any more time around that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not anyone working for any organization, but I am your shepherd. And I said, let's lead well here in this matter. Okay, well, uh, we're in this series called The Beautiful Exchange. And we talked about it a couple of of exchanges already. um, From religion to truth, Pastor Rick shared with us a couple weeks ago. And then last week, Kevin unpacked uh, John chapter 4 and talked about the, the, the transaction, the exchange from shame to boldness, uh, evident in a woman um, who met Jesus unexpectedly, but had her life turned upside down. And that's the reality of what our lives are supposed to be if we encounter Jesus. When we encounter Jesus, everything is supposed to change. Everything is supposed to completely change. Now you say, well, well, I still have to get up and go to work. I still have to, you know, get dressed and take my showers and I do everything is still the same. That's true. But what is completely different is the foundation on which we do those things has changed. Our lives have changed because of the foundation where we're standing from, where we're le- living our life from is a different foundation. It's no longer sinking sand. It's the solid rock. Our lives change when we encounter Jesus. So our, our purpose for going through these, these beautiful exchanges is to continue to build that foundation of who Jesus is and to receive all that he has for us so that our life, which is lived out much like it was before, is completely different, is completely different in our perspective. And everybody, really the world would want these, want the, the exchanges. If you think of from this to this, they all want the twos, right? Everybody wants to be accepted, everybody wants to be forgiven. Freedom, peace, faith. And what's important that we look at is that these exchanges are coming at the hand and at not only at the hand of God, but at the transforming work of God. We are not simply in this in this series to talk about this is what you need to do differently. To change from shame to boldness. But when you encounter Jesus and you receive what he has, we receive the exchange, right? And it's so much more than just what we know or what we're learning, but what we're engaging with, and what we're encountering. And that's what we want to continue today. So in order for us to be catalysts for renewal and revival, we need to be living out of that new foundation that's on offer for us. So today we're going to talk about um, specifically the 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 exchange from uh, rejection to acceptance. So, you know, if we look at, if we look at rejection to acceptance, first of all, um, when I say rejection, what do you think of? Go ahead, shout it out. What do you think of when I say a rejection? When do you think of rejection? Unacceptance. Unacceptance. Good. He's already leading me in this. What, what else? Isolation. The word no. Again? Shame. Not wanted. Unworthy. Great. When I say the word acceptance, what do you think of? Love. Longing. Approved. What's that? Warmth. It's great. Do you notice that none of you are giving me definitions for these words? You're not telling me what rejection is or what acceptance is. This exchange is so much deeper. When you hear rejection, you almost feel it. When I say, What is rejection? What do you think about? I didn't say, What did you feel? I said, what do you think about? And yet you told me things about how we feel. The same thing, what about acceptance? Oh, love, warmth, approved. Those aren't just words we're talking about. Those are what we feel. This exchange is how I can say Jesus changes everything because it's not just about knowledge. It's not an understanding. Oh, yes, I know that I'm not rejected. I know that I'm accepted. I can quote you the Scriptures. I can tell you the story. But what Jesus wants for us, what the Lord God wants for us, is for us to have this exchange where we live out of a place, not of, not of the, the, uh, the expressions of rejection, which you just shared with me, and you just shared with everyone, to feeling the expressions of what it is when we live under acceptance. I see everybody nodding kind of connects with us pretty easily, doesn't it? In fact, it connects with us very deeply, in a very natural sense. And all of a sudden, what I'm talking about, not that it wasn't real before, but all of a sudden it got more real. It got realer. It got more realer. Yeah, it got even more realer. Jesus came into our world to touch our lives, not to just teach us. And Jesus wants these very exchanges. And this is one of the most tactile exchanges that's on offer, is to go from rejection to acceptance. In order to look at this, I'm going to look at a passage. Um, Another story. uh, Kevin last week talked about uh, a story of a woman who met Jesus, encountered Jesus, Um, at the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, and find in John chapter 4. This is the story of another woman. Uh, We find her in Luke 7. If you want to turn with me to Luke 7, uh, beginning in verse 36, Um, you're welcome to follow along. Um, I think we'll have it on the screen behind us. but also there's, hopefully you brought your Bibles. When I was a kid, I had to bring my Bible to church. It was like being undressed if you didn't come without your Bible to church um but we've provided p- few bibles before you or under the seats and most of you have it on your phones um yeah take a look at uh Luke chapter 7 and if you receive that any what i just said as conviction about bringing your bible um the lord bless you <laughs> yeah okay Luke chapter 7 verse 36 we encounter another woman, um, very different. Uh, another, another, another story of where a woman encounters Jesus and the exchange that happens. This time, um, it said it's in a. It's not out all by herself, like the last week. Last week, when the woman at the well, there was no one around but Jesus. There was no one around but her, and the two of them had this exchange. This is actually in a very public situation. Um, Just to be clear before we start, this is a story of where Jesus uh, finds this woman. He's gone into, we'll read it in a minute, but he's gone into have a meal, a meal, and this woman comes into the, to the room and begins to weep and wets his, his feet with her tears, dries them with her hair. There's actually two accounts in the Bible that are very, very, very similar, especially to us because we think, how many times could that happen? I can't imagine it happened once, let alone twice, you know. So we tend to blur those, but they're actually two different accounts. Okay, so this is not Mary, the the, uh, uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, and uh, it's not at the last uh, few days before Jesus died. This is earlier in the ministry, but it's a similar account. So that's just if you're thinking, wait a minute, I thought, wait a minute, there is a different story. It may seem a little bit different to you, but this is the account that we find in, in Luke chapter 7 that happened at the at the home of a Pharisee, not at Mary and Martha and Lazarus's house. Okay, so let's begin reading in verse uh, 36. When one of the Pharisees, um, we'll later find out his name was Simon. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, just a little understanding there, um, in that, in that culture, in that setting, uh, dinner was often more than dinner, especially when he had a guest of a rabbi that usually was a, a time to discuss and to talk. Um, they didn't, they didn't read, read books. There weren't a lot of books. They didn't have a lot of, uh, they didn't turn on the TV or the news or, or listen to the latest podcast. You know, they invited Jesus and they were going to talk, but it was going to be open to other people to listen. And it wasn't necessarily in the house, it was probably in the courtyard type of an area where others could be around. And reclining at the table meant literally reclining, where they would lean forward into a table where their feet, their legs, their body would be out from the table, and they'd be around talking, and there'd be other people who could be around in the courtyard listening. So just give you a little bit of framework as to how this makes sense, because it's weird enough of a story when you, when you even without those explanations. So, so we'll get that out of the way so then you can just focus on the other weird parts of it. So just being honest here, um, just saying. Rick Joyner, Pastor Rick Joyner, told me one time, all you got to say when you say something that's pushing people's limits, just say, just, just saying, just saying, and then you can get by with it. So just saying. So again, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner at his home, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, or some translations say she was a sinner. It's, it's a description uh, of who she is, that, that, is a, that is already a label that she carries in that place, right? A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So again, this is open, the information, hey, Jesus, what's going on over there? Oh, Jesus is there. Oh, and, and, she, and people are rushing to the house to go and listen to what Jesus has to say in this open courtyard area. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Alabaster is actually the jar, and it would be, contained something very precious, uh, uh, expensive perfume, uh, usually sealed, and the only way you could open it is to actually break off this long neck of the jar. And so it was a, it was a, it was a very prized possession. So as she stood behind him, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Okay, so she's crying, and to the extent that there's enough tears falling that they're actually wetting his feet that are open-toed sandals, you know, these open sandals that, that he's wearing. So so here they are in the courtyard, and she's the sinner. That's the label. She's the sinful life woman of this, of this village, which means she's usually at the back, hiding out. No one, had, no one receives her. No one accepts her, um, except to accept her as the label that's already on her. And she would not come forward. But some reason, she pushes her way all the way through the crowd to be so close that when she's weeping over this man that has been that is saying things and doing things in her world that that she is. That's so overtaken by that she's so close that her tears are wetting his feet. Okay? Then she bends down and wipes his his feet with her hair. Now, I'd have to get down there pretty far to wipe (laughs) someone's feet with my hair. Picture that. But even if Katie or Sherry or some of you women with really long hair, you'd still have to get down pretty close to be wiping his feet. This is happening at this table. I Told you it got weirder. <laughs> then she wiped them with her hair, and then she proceeds to kiss his feet and pours, breaks open this bottle and begins to pour the perfume. On his feet. Everybody got the picture? <laughs> then the Pharisee who had invited Jesus said to himself, He said to himself, Is this man, if this man were a prophet, obviously he's not, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is and that she is a sinner. So for some reason, even though it's Simon's house, he he's both appalled at what's happening and he's judging Jesus for it. At the same time, he's he doesn't feel freedom even in his own house and in in his conflict with Jesus to, to, to tell him. So she, he just tells it to himself, right? Well, this proves what I knew. This guy's no prophet because he doesn't even know that this woman's a sinner and he's letting her do this. And if he was a rabbi, she couldn't do this anyway. He wouldn't allow it because in, in the rabbinical law, this would make him unclean. So, I mean, this is not just like, oh, it's offensive or it's, or it's weird. It's, this is not acceptable. This is not acceptable at all. And you're running around here, Jesus, like you're a rabbi, like you're, you're somebody that we're supposed to follow religiously. And I'm a Pharisee, a spiritual leader, and I know everybody knows that's not acceptable. So this is the story, this is the line that's going on in Simon the Pharisee's mind. And then uh, in verse 40, (laughs) Jesus answered him. He didn't say this out loud, right? But Jesus answers him. Neither did he ask a question, but Jesus answered him. I love the language. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain money lender, to a bank, banker. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, a denarii is about uh, a day's wage. So one owed him, you know, 500 days wages, you know, nearly two years worth of, of wages. And one owed him a couple months worth. Both significant, but one 10 times the size of the other. But neither one of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them would love him more? It's interesting. Some of the translations don't say forgave the debts. They say cancel the debts. But uh, this forgave is a really good translation. They forgave the debts. And he said, "Which?" He doesn't say which man would appreciate him more. I don't necessarily love my banker or, or not, you know. But the forgiveness of debts, he says, which one loved him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the biggest debt forgiven? (laughs) I suppose. I suppose. Uh, This is just fun. This is just fun. This whole passage. You have judged correctly, Jesus says. You get an A. But then he turned to the woman. So he's turned around. He's talking to the woman. But he says to Simon, Simon, Okay, so he's looking at the woman, but he's speaking to Simon. Do you see this woman? (laughs) Jesus, you're the only one who hasn't seen her. I mean, we're all completely (laughs) appalled by what's going on. There isn't anything that's happening in this room. Everybody's eyes are on this thing that's happening here at your feet, and you're the only one carrying on like it's not happening. Do you see this woman? My goodness, Jesus. I thought you were a prophet. Oh, my good. Do you and Jesus says to Simon, do you see this woman? But of course, what is he saying? Do you see this woman? Yeah. I know how you see her, but now let me explain something to you. Do you see this woman? I Jesus came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Now again, culturally, um, many times when someone would come into, a, if they were the guest of honor or just a guest in someone's home, it, it could be customary that the host would wash their feet or they would have one of their servants wash their feet. They wore open sandals or were walking on dusty roads. It's not required, but that's just an act, an act of honor. So Simon or his servants did not do this. Simon did not ask his servants to do this. And yet this woman has done this with her tears and her hair. You did not give me a kiss but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Again, uh, it's a kiss of greeting. We understand that, right? So there's cultures of handshakes and there's cultures of hugs. Um, I was raised in a culture of handshakes. I've grown into a culture of hugs. Um, I travel the world now and I have to, I am in cultures of, of kissing and, uh, I don't know, you know. Like, is it one? Is it two? Is it three? You know, what I've learned is you start on the right, and if then they then I just follow. Okay, left. Okay, you're a two color. Oh, maybe three. Okay, and I just follow until until we're done. So this is a culture of greeting with a kiss. And he said, "Look, Simon, you didn't even greet me with a welcome kiss, and yet this woman has not stopped kissing my feet." Therefore, I tell you, you think you saw this woman, let me say. Therefore, I tell you, for many, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Many of the translations say her sins are forgiven because she who has loved much has been forgiven much. And here we have many sins have been forgiven. Her, love, her great love has shown this, has demonstrated this. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus did turn to the woman and talk to her. Your sins are forgiven, he says. And the other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to this woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Okay. Quite the story. You know, and it's fun to kind of joke about it and talk about it, but there is something that's captured in this story that couldn't be more rich. And that is this exchange from, reject, from rejection to acceptance. Everything about her, of who she was, even before the story is told. She is already identified. She's already labeled. She has been rejected and even stamped with a label, rejection, you're a sinner. And then she proceeds to do things that are offensive to everybody there. I mean, just reading the story makes me uncomfortable. I mean, just seriously. I don't even want to be sitting in that situation and all those things happening... With my wife doing it. I mean, <laughs> I just, there's nothing about that that's comfortable. Her crying over my feet, wiping him with her hair, anointing my feet, kissing me. I just, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just bringing out the radical nature of what has happened. There is nothing that she has done in the natural that says anything other than, you are a rejected person, you are a rejected woman. And yet Jesus says, let's look at this through my lens. I did not come to condemn the world, but I came to forgive. I came to save. I came to rescue. I came to set people free. I came to do a divine, holy exchange that is more beautiful than anything you can understand. And it's not just random. It's not just, hey, Simon, here, you can have this beautiful exchange too. And this woman has the same exchange. What's on offer, she took available. She took a hold of it, of what was available. Simon, who, loved, who, who wasn't looking for forgiveness, wasn't then able to love much. Simon has the same Jesus in his home that this woman is at. It's the same Jesus, right? So what's the difference? It's the same offer, but what's the difference? Simon doesn't feel rejected. He doesn't feel he needs to be accepted. He feels he has made his way to acceptance in all the other ways of attempting to be accepted. He's, he's the religious leader. He's studied. He's proven. He's, he's, he's evaluating his life differently. But when she comes in her brokenness and in her expression that she needs an exchange, she receives one of the greatest exchanges recorded in the Scripture. From rejection to acceptance. And remember, rejection, when I ask the question it's visceral it's tactile it's how we feel to receive to come in with that identity and to walk out accepted by the only one who mattered in that room she came in a sinner she re, she left forgiven that's an exchange she came in probably abused and used and she left loved Pretty good exchanges. Pretty good exchanges. I feel that as I've been talking about this, some of you, just maybe, have been thinking a little bit of your own rejections. The own places where you feel rejected. The places where you feel you're not accepted. Or maybe you know in your mind that the Lord accepts me, or that doesn't really matter, The fact is, you're still feeling the rejection. It takes an instant for someone to say something, and boy, that rejection comes back in. Right? I know, I know, I know. One thought, one statement, one, and back, you're back at that same place. And I just want to say to you, say to us, that the same Jesus who is in Simon the Pharisee's house is here this morning. In the same Offer is available to us. Where do we carry rejection? And how does that make us feel right now? And I'm not saying it's not real. We don't say rejection, again, we don't dismiss it and say, no, I shouldn't feel rejected. Oftentimes it's a matter of saying, I have been rejected. This was not right. This has not been right. But the difference is the lens. Are we going to look at the lens of rejection? Or are we going to look through the eyes of the Lord who doesn't see the rejection but says, I have an offer for you the exchange if you will come to me? I have an offer. So like the woman, I believe that the Lord has an offer for us. And I really feel that it is as available as we want to make it. I'm not trying to force anything. I know we've been joking about this story. I just wanted to be, on one hand, lighthearted about it. At the other hand, I'm encouraging us to take very seriously what is being told in that story. And I just want to invite all of us to a place where we can say, if we have a place of rejection, if there's something that we are still carrying, God is available today to do an exchange, a beautiful exchange from rejection to acceptance. I want to open the opportunity. And and what I'm going to do is open the altar. Because very oftentimes we can sit in our pew and say, okay, God, we pray and uh, we accept what the Lord has. The Lord is so faithful and we don't need to make some big act. But I felt like I can't tell this story about how this woman made a dramatic gesture and not have an invitation for us to make some gesture of acceptance. Of of receiving what the Lord has on offer. So what I'm going to ask, Abisha, would you come back up to the the keyboard? And I just want to open the altar, and um, and, and I want to invite all of us to the presence of the Lord, and to say, come with your tears, and to come with your concerns, and to come with your previous labels, whether they're self imposed or whether they're hidden in the darkest places of your of your of your spirit. And uh, I just want to make the altar open. And um, uh, as you come, I believe the Lord wants to meet as many people here as will take advantage of what he has. And this doesn't mean you have to be a sinner, the way labeled in this story. I'm just talking about something between you and the Lord that still seems to get in the way because you feel that you have a label or you have been rejected or you are not receiving the full measure of his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance. This may be something that you need to forgive, or someone you need to forgive, or maybe you need to forgive yourself, or maybe it's you need to receive forgiveness from the Lord, or maybe you need to receive forgiveness from yourself. I believe all these are available. So I'm going to ask us to stand. Would you stand with me? We're not going to sing a song. Um, we don't have anything lined up, except to say that the altar is open. And if you come to the altar, uh, one of the elders is going to come and uh, join you. And they're not going to get into your story. They're just going to stand in agreement with you. And uh, so, Lord, let's just turn to the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're the same God today. You are as real today as you were in that courtyard 2,000 years ago. And the offer is as good today as it was available then. Lord God, I thank you for this story. And we come before you, Lord Jesus. And I extend on your behalf, I open this altar. And I invite on your behalf, anyone who wants to come, carrying any sense of less than or lack or insecurity or rejection that is holding them back or defining them, To come if you are interested to receive what the Lord has. I'll invite the elders to come and just uh, one by one. If you're not one of the elders, I prefer you not ministering now, but to the elders, I invite you to come. Just stand in agreement, lay hands on you to receive. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. of you will have your encounter with the Lord. I just want to pray a general prayer over all of us and then stay here until an elder comes along and just lays hand and it comes into agreement, lays hands on you and it comes into agreement. But I want to pray for all of us together. Lord God, we are here broken. We have been rejected. We have felt rejection. We have done things that have caused us to be rejected. We have not done things that for some reason we still feel rejected. Whatever your situation is, Lord, we come before you. And we come in love, expressing, expressing brokenness and expressing our desire and our hope that you, Lord God, that we love, can do a divine exchange for us this morning. So if you would allow me to be this bold, I want to speak on behalf of the Lord to you. The Lord Jesus says, I see you. I see that you have gotten out of your seat and you have come forward. I see that you want more. And I see that your hope is in me. Thank you for trusting me. And I tell you, this is a divine exchange. And I take your rejection. I've already taken all the rejection on the cross. And I exchange it for acceptance. Because just as I was rejected on the cross, I was received by my Father. And I say to you, I take your rejection. And you are received by the Father in heaven. By the Lord Jesus and by his Holy Spirit. invite all of you to see the eyes of jesus just as he was looking into that woman's eyes that day and through her tear-stained eyes she was able to see the eyes of love and the eyes of acceptance and i say to you right now receive the gaze of acceptance from your lord jesus and leave at this altar the rejection that you brought And I pray to you, Lord God, that you would seal this exchange with your love and with your blood. And as much as you seal the exchange, you also release your sons and daughters into a life of love and freedom and acceptance.